live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Just because something is incredibly obvious does not mean that it still can't be amazing and incredible. Case in point, the last TD of the day yesterday, which of course was the least surprising TD of the day yesterday, but it doesn't mean that it wasn't still epic. Never mind that everybody in the world knew exactly what was going to happen. That still does not make it any less electric. What am I talking about? Kansas City getting the ball back in SoFi last night, down four with a minute 46 left to play. I think you already have all the information necessary to know exactly what happened next? Mahomes takes the low snap, drops back to pass, throws to his left. He has Kelsey inside the 10, the 5, into the end zone. Touchdown, Kelsey. 17 yards. He's over 100 for the game, and the Chiefs retake the lead, 29-27. I mean, you got to be kidding me. Anybody but Kelsey. We said it multiple times. Anybody but Kelsey. Yeah. That's Westwood 1. That's my guy, Ross Tucker. I agree with Ross. Anybody but Kelsey. But then again, what can you do about Kelsey? When Patrick Mahomes says that Kelsey is the greatest tight end ever, he might be right. I joke a lot of times during the weekend when the big head and I, are, and I are going back and forth on our picks and what we're seeing. I often say to him, Travis Kelsey is like the best football player I've ever seen. Never mind best tight end in the game today. Never mind best tight end ever. Like, best football player ever. Guy's incredible. However, however, he does have Patrick Mahomes throwing him the ball. And just because it's automatic does not mean that it's not compelling. Does not mean that it's boring. It just means that it's automatic. Because that's not just another clutch win in the division. It's automatic. You want me to define automatic? I can define automatic by saying that's 25 straight wins in the months. Hey, Alvin, can I get him a Holmes? Please? Mahomes? Thank you. I would define automatic as saying that's 25 straight wins in the months of November and December for Mahomes and the Chiefs. Mahomes? Even thank you. Thank you, thank you, Alvin, very much. Even more absurd. This dude has never lost a road game in the division. <laughs> I just said that. He's never lost a road game in the division ever. Last night made it 14-0 and on the road in the AFC West. And I would say it pretty much wrapped up the AFC West. Remember all that talk in the preseason about how that was the best division in football, the best division ever, that there was going to be a changing of the guard. That Kansas City was not going to be what Kansas City was because they no longer had Tyreek Hill. Remember all that talk? Yeah, well, apparently they've already wrapped up that division by week 11. And I'd even go as far as to say he's pretty much wrapped up the MVP award by week 11. You know, the MVP award that we gave to Josh Allen and said that he had wrapped up by like week 7. So what you have is the best quarterback on the planet, Patrick Mahomes. Still the best quarterback in the league. Maybe the best player in the league. Well, that's kind of a contradiction, right? I did just call Travis Kelsey the best player I've ever seen. Either way, they're badass. And nothing's changed. 
for anybody more. But Kelsey. Anybody but Kelsey. Except what are you going to do about Kelsey? Ross is never wrong. But what are you going to do about Kelsey? Obviously, they had nothing they could do about Kelsey. Even Derwin James couldn't make that play when he had to. Because Kelsey. So if we're talking about the best quarterback on the planet, let's move along. I'm not sure that it's fair to actually call Zach Wilson the worst quarterback on the planet. But it is fair to say that Zach is doing almost everything in his power to rip that crown and to earn that distinction. I mean, the Jets. I so badly want to be with these guys. I really do. But they were so overdue to jet. You know they wanted to jet so badly. And what a perfect game to absolutely jet the hell out. On the road against the hood man. A win puts them in first place. A loss drops them back into the AFC East basement. So basically, if there ever was a perfect time for the Jets to jet, this was it. And they did so right on freaking cue. From the 16-yard line, Marcus Jones. Got a block from Schooler. Here he goes. He's going to try to beat the putter. He does. He's gone. And that is a touchdown. Are you kidding me, Kevin? The way this game is gone, and that's how this thing's going to finish? Yes. I mean, holy crap. J-E-T-S. Choke. Choke, choke. 26 seconds left, and they let a rookie, albeit an electric rookie, but a rookie return the first punt for a TD in the NFL this season. Nobody had returned a punt for a TD this season in the entire league. But the Jets just allowed that. And that gives the Hood Man his 14th straight win against NYJ. The Jets jetted the hell out of that game. But only after Zach zacked the hell out of that game. Because of all the terrible Zach Wilson performances over the past two seasons, this one absolutely was the worst. And it comes right after he talks all that crap about nobody outside the building knowing anything at all. He went and turned in one of the worst offensive performances ever. Not one of his worst. Actually, that was his worst, but I'm talking about one of the overall worst performances ever. Hey, Zach, maybe none of us know anything outside that building, but we know enough to know that right now you suck. We know that. The Jets gained, and yeah, I know. I'm the one who said saying something sucks is not a take. But you know what? The older I get, the more I see things, the more I think that every once in a while it is. Look at these numbers. The Jets gained 103 total yards. I mean, for the entire game. Not 103 rushing yards. Not even 103 passing yards. 103 total yards for the game. And it's actually so much worse than that. They punted 10 times and only got six first downs. They had four more punts than first downs. They only gained two yards 
of total offense in the entire second half. They never crossed midfield. They never even crossed their own 37 in the entire second half. Zach Wilson finished the game with 77 yards passing, which is pathetic. But he had minus 21 net yards passing in the second half, which seems impossible, even for him. That's impossible. Dude did not make one single play. He could barely complete one single ball. So the least you could do, the least that he could do after a disaster like that and running his mouth prior to that is step to the podium, lead from the front, and own it because we all saw it. And, of course, he did the exact opposite of that. As an offense, though, I mean, when you guys are only able to score three points, the defense only lets up three points. I mean, do you, do you feel like you let the defense down at all? No. 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 Yeah, well, you're wrong. Of course you let the defense down. You let the defense down. You let the special teams down. You let your coaches down. You let your teammates down. You let your fans down. You let your friends down. You let your family down. You let pretty much everybody who you've ever met or talked to down. You let everybody down. What do you mean you didn't let the defense down? This dude's incredible. But according to Zach, it just wasn't his fault. It was the wind. No, it was the same. I mean, I think you got to put into account it's it's windy as hell out there too, guys. You know, <laughs> you know, there's times where you can't just completely try and take these shots down the field. I mean, you can see how much it's moving out there. So, you know, we were trying to establish the run game. You know, same with what the Patriots were trying to do as well. You know, they're not, they're not out there chucking you know 30, 40 yard throws down the field either. My man, I I would put that gasoline can away. I'd put that can of kerosene away. Quote. It was windy as hell, guys. Come on. Like, get a clue, y'all. Do any of you outside this building know anything at all? I don't think you need to all be weather people to understand it's windy as hell. What, do I got to drop wind chimes on you all for you to realize how windy it is? You can't lick your finger and hold it up in the air? Did you not feel the wind? Come on, guys. Windy as hell. Have you ever experienced the flavor of actual live fire cooking? We're not talking about a fire pit in the backyard. This is about the big green egg, the ultimate cooking experience. I know you know about it because the second I got mine and I started talking about it, people were rushing up on me like they knew. They wanted to talk about it. It's because the egg is the most versatile grill you're ever going to own. I'm telling you, you can grill, roast, smoke, sear, and even bake. Yes, try a pizza on the egg. It will amaze you. It works. It's incredible. So stop wasting money on grills that you have to replace every few years. We've all been there. We've done that. It gets old. Forget the pellets and the knockoffs, too. Listen to me. Roll. With an authentic big green egg, it is a ceramic marvel. It's backed by a lifetime warranty. That's right, a lifetime warranty. It is simple to light. It is easy to use. It works without a power source. You don't have to plug anything in. So with the playoffs and the holidays approaching, you cannot beat a smoked turkey on an egg. How cool is that? And it makes a great gift. And they've got two models that are perfect for tailgating. The best part is you can have it delivered right to your house for free from a local dealer in your community. That's right. Shop online at BigGreenEgg.com. 
have it delivered to your house for free. That's how I did it. It was an awesome experience. That's BigGreenEgg.com. And yes, you will thank me later. I don't know. Mac Jones might not have been throwing it or chucking it all over the yard. But you know what dude did do? He completed 23 of 27 passes for 246 yards. Wilson, 9 of 22. The Jet, the Jets punted more times than they completed passes in a game. No one's asking for 70-yard laser shots. Just get a first down. Complete a pass. Score a TD. And most of all, when you play as badly as you did and you're the number two pick overall and all eyes are on you, own it. Own it when it all goes to hell. Do you remember two weeks ago when Josh Allen took total responsibility for losing to this Jets team? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to win in this league. Um, you're playing a good team and your quarterback plays like <laughs> Made some bad decisions tonight. really cost our team. Um, hey, Zach, that's what a leader sounds like. You sound like a crybaby on the middle school playground. My man, you better get your bleep together fast. Because this dude, through his first 20 games, has 15 fewer TDs than Sam Darnold. Is there a Jets fan anywhere who would say that Darnold was not a disaster? And this guy's got 15 fewer TDs than Darnold did through the same 20 games. This dude is making Darnold look generational. I mean, yeah, I know. I know, clones. I know. The best thing that Zach Wilson has done as a pro is hunt Coog. Yeah, that's fine. But I would say it's about the only thing he's done as a pro. And I'll tell you what. Here's the thing. Pretty soon, it's not going to be just the New York media that's done with this dude. It's going to be New York teammates, too. Already, there's speculation that there's some frustration in that locker room that this guy's walking around like he's got nothing to do with it, like it's not his fault, like he's not part of the problem. In fact, it already sounds like part of that locker room is less than thrilled with him. Check out Garrett Wilson. Check out this rookie saying, the rookie now, saying what actually needed to be said. How many total yards we had? 100, a little over 100. Yeah, it's not, not, not going to fly, so... Um. He said, how many yards? How many yards? Media said just over 100. And he said, yeah, quote, this bleep's not going to fly. Yeah, it's not, not, not going to fly. So. Like, I'm not saying that owning it makes it all right. But I am saying that Zach Wilson not owning any of it makes it all wrong. He should have gotten up there and said, this bleep's not going to fly. It's on me. I'm going to get better. Fast. I mean, that's all there is to say. This bleep's not going to fly. So I'm not sure why it's so hard for Zach Wilson to actually say that. Jets, man. The Jets. They took a hell of a route to get there, but they're right back in last place, and they still do not have a quarterback. Same as they ever were. As long as their defense can show up every single week and pitch shutouts, and they may have to, they've got a shot. You know what Zach sounds like? He sounds like the NFL version my guy Larry Robinson was clowning back in the day. I can't get my 60 goals. I can't get my passes complete. How am I going to go get my 60 goals? Yeah, how am I going to complete my passes? 
Jeez, I'm getting touched. Jeez, it's the wind. Welcome to the freaking National Hockey League. Welcome to the freaking National Football League. You know what he sounds like? Like what Larry said. We got a few whining babies in this league. We got a few whining little babies in this league that don't want to get touched. Oh, I don't want to get touched. Has anybody ever had an F-bomb come out of his mouth only to pull it back in before it was too late? Alvy, one more time. We got a few whining little babies in this league that don't want to get touched. One of the all-time NHL greats. We have a few whining babies in this league. All right, so I, I spent an inordinate amount of time on the J-E-T-S. Choke, choke, chokes in the opening segment. Yeah, I don't know, Zach. That's why I said last week that game became even, became even more compelling to me. If you're going to say what you're going to say before you go to Foxborough, I don't know, maybe check the weather. Maybe check the head coach. Maybe check their defense. Maybe check all these things before you push out there that nobody outside the building knows anything at all. I don't know. Maybe. But you didn't. And now you look so much worse. And that's a bad loss. And now you're in danger of losing your job and that locker room. Not a good place to be, my man. Hey, are you craving some protein after a good workout? I always am. Listen, this time, don't make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach, anywhere at all. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Oh, Trapper, what's your beef? Another wild NFL weekend, so we're joined right now by Jim Trotter to break it down. Jim, good to have you back. How are you? Romy, doing well. How are you doing? Good, dude, good. Thanks so much for joining us. Jim, why don't we start with the end of the NFL weekend. Patrick Mahomes doing what Patrick Mahomes does, especially to the Chargers, driving a stake <laughs> right through their heart again, Jim. I mean, do you have any issue with how the Chargers approach that KCTD drive, or is Patrick just too good? He's just too good. You know what's funny is um, I didn't have to travel this weekend, so I'm on the couch watching the game, and when the Chargers scored with a minute-plus left, uh, my wife says to me, oh, this game's over. And I said, you do know who's on the other sideline, right? She goes, no, nah, this game's over. I said, you know what he did in 13 seconds in the playoffs last year, right? And so she was right. Later, Jim, Jim, she was know. right. The game was over. It was just for the other guy. <laughs> exactly. So when they scored the touchdown, I said, you know, having been married for a long time, Romy, I knew better than, than to rub it in. I wasn't going to say, <laughs> see, I told you so. So I just said um, – you see what just happened there? So, no, it's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, and, and he and Travis Kelsey have one of, I think, the most um, special relationships in terms of a quarterback-receiver combination in NFL history. And Travis Kelsey just gets better and better every year. And, you know, part of that is due to him, but part of that is due to playing with a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. And it's just in those situations where play has to be made and everybody knows where the ball is going to go they still find a way to get it done, and it's just special to watch. 
I agree with you. I think the relationship, Jim, is absolutely amazing. I could stay on that topic for an entire hour, but I want to keep moving. Jim Trotter is my guest. So, Jim, I personally love, love the Miami Dolphins. They look to me like a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Am I getting ahead of myself here? No. Um, it's funny. I just uh, wrote about that this morning, um, you know, talking about uh, three things I think I know and three things I know I know. And and I believe that, that the Miami Dolphins are good enough to make a Super Bowl run. The issue here, Romy, as you know, it's no secret, too many people want to view Tua Tungvaloa through the prism of his previous two seasons. And I just think that when you get a, a creative play caller and somebody who thinks outside the box like Mike McDaniel – and you put him with a guy like Tua, who's very cerebral, very smart, and and feeds off of that sort of positive reinforcement. And then you give him playmakers on the outside, like they have with Waddle and and um, and Tyreek Hill. I think we're seeing something special, you know, along to, to go with um, that defense, which is solid. So, you know, this is a team that that there are only certain ways defensively that you can play them because with that speed on the outside and their ability to make plays down the field and whatnot, there were a lot of people who thought Tua couldn't throw the deep ball, which is kind of funny to me. Um, I think back to my days as a kid watching Joe Montana and people say he didn't have arm strength. It didn't stop him from throwing the deep ball. There's a lot involved with that besides just arm talent. So um, I think they're legit. I think that anyone who sleeps on them is going to wake up wondering what happened. Jim Trotter is joining us. What a great comparison, too, to Joe Montana. I mean, in the sense that, you're right, people thought that he could not throw the deep ball, and then he could throw the deep ball. Jim, I really want to love the Jets. Like, I love their defense. I really like Robert Sala a lot. But they could not have looked any worse than they did offensively yesterday. Have you seen anything from Zach Wilson that makes you think that he's going to be a good NFL quarterback, much less the franchise player they thought they were getting when they selected him second overall? No, and and it's funny. I saw something on social media this morning that compared his first 20 games to the first 20 games of Jamarcus Russell, and the numbers are almost identical. But beyond the physical and, and the statistics that we see, the thing that really concerns me about Zach Wilson is the lack of leadership. The way he handled that press conference after the game yesterday, not accepting accountability in terms of how poorly he played and the offense played, and then kind of barking back at, at his receivers who had expressed some frustrations about things tells me that he's got a lot of making up to do in that locker room, and I don't know if you do it in one week. So besides all the other things that are, that are tangible in terms of, of breaking down his performance, seeing his statistics and all of that, um, a quarterback has to be um, respected in the locker room. And I'm not so sure – based on what we're starting to hear out of that locker room and, and, and the way it went down after that game last night, that Zach Wilson is actually respected in that locker room. He, he's got a lot of fences to mend here. And, and again, I don't know that you do that in one week, and I don't know that you do that in half a season. Um, he's, he's a guy that I'm not, at least me personally, I am not sold on at all. Jim, I think you make all – Extremely valid points, but even more so if the guy doesn't get it, right? It's one thing to understand exactly. that, hey, man, I got a real problem here. I got to make it right with these guys. And even then, that's not an easy thing to do, to your point. But what if you think, I mean, he does not carry himself like he thinks it's his fault. And then if you don't know that, then there's no way you're going to fix it. No, and, and that's the thing. Because what are quarterbacks taught from a very young age, if they're coached well, Romy? They're taught that you always, take, you always uh, fall on the sword. You know, it's always about you. It's not about your teammates in terms of when there is a bad performance or a loss. You put it on your shoulders. 
he refuses to do that, which is mind-boggling to me when you think about the way that he has performed this year. I mean, look, Joe Flacco in those three starts to, to, to start the year had performed better than Zach Wilson has at this point. And I would say this to you, and, and I believe this truly, the Jets are, are in a win-now mode. That defense is good enough um, to win and, and, and get to the playoffs and, and, and at least be competitive there now. I would seriously consider changing quarterbacks at this point because, you know, when you start putting one player ahead of the entire team, the players know that. And then as a coach, you start to lose credibility with your players. So if you have a quarterback, a young quarterback, who's, who's refusing to accept accountability, who lacks self-awareness, who is not making plays on the field, and you at least have a veteran who has been through it and at least knows um, what it takes to, to get there, and I'm not saying that he is any way um, um, resembling what he once was, I make the change. And that's just how I feel at this point. They're, they, I don't think they can wait on Zach Wilson um, if we're talking about this season itself. I think you got to make the move now. Will I, Robert Sala do it? I don't know. I do not disagree with that logic at all. Jim Trotter is joining us. He's just he's not acting like a QB1 franchise-type quarterback. No. He's acting like a spoiled, entitled brat. That's how the guy's acting. Jim Trotter is joining us. So, Jim, you had the Eagles before the season going to the Super Bowl. They're still in a great spot. They had a loss. They had to grind out a tough come-from-behind win. Do you feel? Do you have any concerns at all about the way they played the last two weeks? No, actually, I, I, I thought um, yesterday was a confirmation of who I thought they were. Look, every team is going to have one of those games where it just doesn't play well, right? And the question is, how do you respond to it? And things did not look well for the Eagles yesterday when you talk about the fact that they're coming off their first loss of the season. They're on the road against a team that has a little bit of buzz after winning that, that first game with Jeff Saturday as interim head coach. Um, they're on the road, hostile environment, all of those things. And they're down by 10 going into the fourth quarter and just don't look good at all offensively. And what happens? Their young quarterback puts it on his shoulder and never panics, never looks flustered and says, you know what, we're going to be all right. And what's he start doing? Designed runs, some scrambles, making pinpoint passes, and they go down and they win the game. So for me, um, that was a real testament to who the Eagles really are. And I'm not, you know, one thing I've learned over the years, Rome, is like you, you stick to what you there's a reason you made a prediction in the preseason, so you stick to it. It's a long ride during a regular season, and, and I still believe that the Eagles are going to be right there at the end in terms of um, being in the hunt for the Super Bowl um, and representing the NFC. Jim Trotter joining us. Let me ask you this before you go, Jim. Despite their rather abhorrent owner and toxic work culture, incredibly, uh, yeah, I can't even believe I'm going to ask you this, incredibly, is there a better story in the NFL right now than the Commanders? No, not to me. I, I mean, when you figure they started one and four, when you figure they made the trade to get Carson Wentz and believed he was their guy, when you have an owner who, who, you know, by all of his actions and things that have been done in the past, um, it just could have been an avalanche over this team and, and, and just derailed it for the season. And yet Ron uh, Rivera has kept this group together. Um, and now they've won five of six. They have a quarterback in Taylor Heineke whose spirit – and, and personality and competitiveness everyone seems to be feeding off of. Their defensive line with a lot of high draft picks is playing well. And now you're going to get Chase Young back, who was one of the dominant young players before he got injured. Um, I, it, it's just a great story to, to a perseverance of resilience. And we know that Ron Rivera lost his mother recently. 
So you throw that into the mix. You have Brian Robinson being shot, you know, um, before the season and coming back from that. There are just so many storylines to this franchise this year, but ultimately it's what they're doing on the field, having overcome all of these things to be now at least um, in a position to try and make a run to get into the playoffs. Just a great story. He's a reporter for NFL Media, a Hall of Fame voter, a professor at San Diego State School of Journalism, and the author of Junior Seau, The Life and Death of a Football Icon and a Good Friend of the Program. He is Jim Trotter. Jim, thanks a million. Really good to have you on. I always appreciate the time and the relationship. Romy, always appreciate it, man. You have a good one. I'm talking with Jay Woods of OmegaTaxCredits.com, who is describing the businesses that have benefited from a tax refund via the Employee Retention Credit, the ERC through the IRS. What kind of companies have come through as a result of hearing me talk about this message on the air? Can you give me some examples? We have a uh, Best Pizza. It's in Brooklyn, New York, 12 employees. We were able to qualify them for $56,000. We were able to gap another $56,000 for them, and they were ecstatic. We had a medical professional company in San Diego with 250 employees get $3.5 million. Their workforce was deemed non-essential by the government, and so they had a huge revenue decrease, and that's how they qualified, and they they are one of the groups that really maximized this credit. We've got a group in Kansas that's also an employment agency. They've got 72 employees. We were able to get them $167,000. And that's just three of the companies that OmegaTaxCredits.com has helped. There is time still for you to apply and determine if your small business qualifies for a tax refund like this. You've weathered the pandemic and the economy so see if you qualify. OmegaTaxCredits.com. Raider fan, like right when you thought you hit rock bottom. Look at you now. I'm telling you, life in the silver and black is not all that bad. In fact, pretty damn good right now. It turns out you did not bottom out after losing to a high school coach last week. And as bad as that was, And as horribly as this season is gone, it could still get worse. It could be worse. How? By losing to a team that is just as, if not more disappointing than even you, the Broncos. That's it. Broncos v. Raiders. That was, in fact, the NFL version of the jungle hack-off, where the worst of the worst get after it on the big stage. And lucky for you, Raider fan, The Broncos found a way to clutch the hell down, to man the hell down and implode yet again. Listen, I admit it. I I try not to get sucked into this. I'm actually proud of myself is I'm not one of those overreaction, hot take Monday guys because we live in a world that's extremely impatient, overreacts to everything. Nobody gives anybody any time to build anything the right way. Having said all that, I feel like the Broncos probably could have been justified in pulling the plug on the hack it experience week one in Seattle. That's how bad that was. I mean, like when they say one and done, they don't mean one season. They mean one game. Because not only is this not getting any better, Bronco fan, it's actually getting worse 11 weeks in. Then again, it's not like I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. I mean, it hasn't been like this in Denver since the Josh McDaniel days. I mean, just the vibe of that fan base, the vibe, the energy, the whole thing, it's just terrible. And it's not your fault. I understand. I understand because you know, you know ball, and you know how poorly coached your team is, Bronco fan. 
You know how ill-prepared they are every single time they take the field, Bronco fan. So this guy's firing, to me, is not a question of if, but it's a matter of when, since there is no way you bring him back next season. How could you? Somebody has to pay for the horrible season the Broncos are having, and it's not going to be for the horrible play of Captain Cringe because they're stuck with him now. You can't fire the quarterback that you gave up so much to get and then guaranteed him so much jack on top of that. You can't fire that guy, at least not yet, but you can whack the coach. I'm not here to get anybody fired. I'm not here to take food off somebody's table. I'm not here to take money out of anybody's pocket. I want to be very clear about that. I'm not here to get anybody fired. However, this guy's not doing anything to keep his job. The Raiders, at least, live to fight an additional day. Live to fight an additional week. At least they bought themselves a little bit of breathing room. But it should have been the Broncos who did so. It's like the Broncos, I mean, they had it. It's like the Broncos had the Raiders back. Rear naked choke in. And yet somehow, someway, Commander Cringe and Coach Hack It's coaching staff found the only way possible to slide over the top and then somehow choke themselves out. I mean, get this. The Broncos are up 16-13, two minutes to go. They're facing a third and 10. The Raiders have no timeouts. They can't stop the clock. A first down there ends the game. Except Cringe went cringe. He did the one thing that he could not do. How this guy makes this mistake, I will never know. He did the one thing he couldn't do. He threw an incomplete pass where he wasn't even close to his target. It damn near looked like he threw it away intentionally. How does that guy, that vet, that potential Hall of Famer, how does that guy make that bad of a decision at that point in the game? I mean, dude, take the sack. Spin the clock. How does Captain Cringe not know that, not do that? I can't emphasize that enough. That guy cannot make that mistake. I mean, I swear, somewhere, somewhere Richard Sherman was yelling, God dang it, run the dang ball. But God dang it, run the dang ball. I mean, God dang it, run the dang ball. But God dang it, run the dang ball. Take the dang sack. Fall the dang down. Spin the clock. Keep the clock spinning. Anything but what Cringe did. Because then they punt. Then they give the Raiders the ball back with way more time than they should have had. Way more time than they would have had had the Cringe just taken the sack. Because, again, the Raiders couldn't stop the clock. And, of course, it's not just the offense. The entire team implodes under Coach Hack It. Next thing you know, there's a complete breakdown in coverage, and Josh Jacobs gets a 43-yard pass in the final minute that sets up that field goal to tie the game and send it to OT. And then, in OT, another can't-hack-it blunder in coverage. And the Raiders walk it off when this happens. Carr sets in the pocket, floats a ball, wide open. Devontae Adams, this game is over. Adams into the south end zone, touchdown Raiders. Bronco players, defensive players, laying down on the field, disrot with what has just happened. And you know what? I completely get it. Devastating loss for this football team. You think? Broncos radio, find me a more despondent human being anywhere than that guy. Calling the action. 
I was as close field. to Devontae Adams as any Bronco tackle. defender was. Well, I don't know. Let's just lose track of Devontae Adams in OT. Let's not have anybody within 50 yards of Devontae Adams. Laying down on the field. Disrot with what has just happened. No, I think laying down during the play. I think laying down. I don't think they lined up the line of scrimmage. I think they just laid down. Go ahead, Devontae. Just run free. So two blown coverages on two critical plays. The most hack it bleep ever. And make that two consecutive weeks, Raider fan, that somebody was crying after you played. Last week, it was Derek Carr getting emotional. This time, it was the entire Mile High City crying after watching another week of this Hackett Captain Cringe combo. Hey, Bronco fans, say what you want about Josh McDaniels, but you can't say that he doesn't own his old organization, yo. That's now two for him on the season in beating your ass. And as much as you dislike the guy, do you really like Hackett anymore? Find me one coach anywhere, not named Pervin Liar, that has worn out his welcome faster with a fan base than Hackett has in Denver. They just don't hate his guts the way people hate Pervin Liar. Because Hackett's not that bad of a guy. You know, he's not going around buddy needing a night out. He's not abandoning the team on a flight. He's not kicking his kicker who's stretching. In fact, I don't even think he's a bad guy. He's just a really, really bad head coach. And really, really in over his head. Well, to be fair, it's Hackett and Captain Cringe. Because Denver fans seems to be done with high knees as well. I mean, Hackett, I got to be honest, Hackett's one of the better dudes. He's one of the worst head coaches, but he's a great dude. Like, he's a really good dude. You want him around, you just don't want him being the guy leading from the front. But it seems like the fan base is also already over high knees. Captain Cringe. But as I mentioned, they're stuck with him. Done with him, but stuck with him. They're 3-7. and seven. And Check these numbers out. You want to take something for data. They're three and seven. They have scored the fewest points in the NFL. They were so bad that Hackett even gave up play calling duties to Clint Kubiak yesterday. Why do you bring this guy in? He's an offensive genius. Already gave up play calling duties to Clint Kubiak. And remember, this is after he pretty much gave up coaching duties after the second game of the year when the team hired a coach to coach his ass with game day decisions. I mean, how embarrassing is the whole thing? And cringe. My dude, you're lucky that you signed that quarter of a billion-dollar deal on the eve of the season and the team mortgaged the house for you because you're impossible to move on from, at least right now. And you haven't been any better than Hackett. This alleged Super Bowl-caliber offense is actually scoring five less points a game with Captain Cringe under center than it did with Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke a year ago. If you can believe that, they gave up multiple firsts, multiple seconds, a few good players to score five points a game less. And they have failed to score 18 or more eight different times this season. 
So clearly, multiple draft picks and players and a quarter of a bill do not buy what they used to. In fact, they don't buy you anything at all. It looks like they just threw all those picks and all that cash into a trash can and lit it on fire because that's what this is, a literal dumpster fire. Hate to say it, cringe, and I don't want to go there, but you're as bad as those subway commercials that were pulled off the air. And Bronco fans are as fed up with you and your positive spin to the garbage product that you've been putting on film on the weekly. Cringe. I get that your line has not been doing its job because nobody outside the defense has for the most part. But make no mistake, 11 games into your run, Bronco country is asking off the ride, dude. Broncos country, let's ride. How hard do you think the bubblegum murderer is laughing his ass off on his off week (laughs) watching Bridge? help him and his organization out even more. Not only do they look better and better and better because of that trade, that draft pick gets better and better because of that trade. Right now, that pick that they have is all the way up to number five overall. Biggest fleece job ever. I guess what I'm saying, Bronco country, is this. It's not time to ride. It's time to, all together now, time to die! Have you ever experienced the flavor of actual live fire cooking? We're not talking about a fire pit in the backyard. This is about the big green egg, the ultimate cooking experience. I know you know about it because the second I got mine and I started talking about it, people were rushing up on me like they knew. They wanted to talk about it. It's because the egg is the most versatile grill you're ever going to own. I'm telling you, you can grill, roast, smoke, sear, and even bake. Yes, try a pizza on the egg. It will amaze you. It works. It's incredible. So stop wasting money on grills that you have to replace every few years. We've all been there. We've done that. It gets old. Forget the pellets and the knockoffs, too. Listen to me. Roll with an authentic big green egg. It is a ceramic marvel. It's backed by a lifetime warranty. That's right, a lifetime warranty. It is simple to light, it is easy to use, it works without a power source, you don't have to plug anything in. So with the playoffs and the holidays approaching, you cannot beat a smoked turkey on an egg. How cool is that? And it makes a great gift. And they've got two models that are perfect for tailgating. The best part is you can have it delivered right to your house for free from a local dealer in your community. That's right. Shop online at BigGreenEgg.com. Have it delivered to your house for free. That's how I did it. It was an awesome experience. That's BigGreenEgg.com. And yes, you will thank me later. The head coach is Shane Beamer. Shane, it's great to have you back. How are you? I'm doing awesome. I appreciate you having me back. Shane, great to have you back. So you had the very best seat in the house for... One of the most impressive performances of the season, knowing how hard your group has worked and how you feel about this particular group, what was it like for you to see your team take it to the fifth-ranked team in the country the way they did Saturday night? It was, uh, it was awesome. It was an awesome environment in our stadium Saturday night. And, and just happy for our players, really happy for our seniors. They uh, prepared well during the week, had a great week of practice. They worked their butt off. And we had not performed well, to say the least, the week before. And they just, you know, like they always do, they came right back to work the following week. And, and we had great confidence going into the game. So to be able to just uh, perform as well as we did in all three phases and have that kind of night was really, really uh, rewarding, but really, really 
really, really made me happy for our players. So, Shane, you answered my next question in part, but just to kind of drill down on this, what was your message to your team in the days leading up to that game, and what was the mindset when you hit the field? It was, uh, you know, honestly, we've got a good football team, and making sure they understood that. And we didn't look like it against Florida, and there's different reasons for that. And, you know, we went back the day after the Florida game and met with the team like we always do and talked about the good from the night before, the bad, and, and uh, you know, we weren't, as, we weren't as terrible as what we looked. And, you know, not that we're a, an NFL team, Jim, but we, I talked about how if you look at the last few Super Bowl winners – they went through bad stretches and had a bad game or two or three in November. You know, last year, the Rams, they got drilled by the 49ers in November and lost, I think, three games in a row. Um, uh, the Bucks, when they won it in mid-November, they got uh, hammered by the Saints like 38-3. to And then they just responded, and then they came back, and they won the Super Bowl. The Chiefs had, I think, a three-game losing streak maybe the year they won the Super Bowl. So just talking about the fact that we're a good football team that had a bad night, but it doesn't define this football team. What's going to define this football team is how – we respond and how we play down the stretch. And we got a great opportunity starting, you know, last week at the time and now this week as well. And our guys knew we had a good team and, and were very motivated to play. And, and, uh, and, and it showed. South Carolina head football coach Shane Beamer joining us. It absolutely did. I'm going to ask you about Clemson, of course, in a moment. Shane, you talked about what you said and what your message was in the days leading up to that game. I'm curious, there was a team meeting the night before the game. Some of the seniors got up and they spoke. How powerful was that, and what were some of their messages? It was really cool. You know, we have a, a time. It's not really football-related. It's every Friday night. We just kind of get together as a team and, and just uh, just kind of hang out and talk and, and, and do different things. And, and Saturday night, it was one of those, uh, you, know, you know, kind of one of the themes or mantras last week was, let's ride. And the message was anybody that wanted to get up and talk, you know, all right, it's time to ride. Where are you taking us? So Spencer Rattler got up. Where are you taking us, Spencer? What are you going to do tomorrow on this ride? And and a couple of the seniors did speak about how, you know, it's their last time in the stadium. And they came back to South Carolina this this season for, for their final year when they, some of them didn't have to. And they talked about how they came back for games like, the Tennessee game in that stadium against a nationally ranked po- opponent. And one of them actually said, he's like, man, I had a dream earlier this week where, you know, they were tearing down the goalpost and storming the field and how awesome it's going to be tomorrow night when it happened. And, you know, we didn't have a ton of guys speak. It was probably five or six guys, but it was pretty powerful what they said. And, and uh, was a cool was a cool moment as a team for sure. Shane Peamer is joining us. You mentioned uh, Spencer Rattler. He was incredible. 30 of 37, 438 yards, six TDs. Have you ever been around a QB more locked in or in more of a zone than he was on Saturday? I don't think so. And and I've been around some great ones, whether it be Michael Vick when I was in college or or uh, uh, you know at Oklahoma with Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts, and I've seen some great performances, but. Spencer was lights out on um, on Saturday night and <clears throat> knew he was good when I was watching it live. But then going back and just watching the video uh, the next day after the game, he was even better. And it was just – it was the throws you saw, but his, the way he stepped up in the pocket and the way that he just – played with confidence and got rid of the ball where it needed to go at the right time. And even on like, you know, some of the scrambles where it could have been throwaways with 90% of the quarterbacks in the country, he's able to, you know, make something happen and, and, and hit a, hit a receiver on the run where only that receiver can make it. So make the play. He, he, 
he did great. It's because he play he prepares that way during the week. He works his butt off, and was happy to see him have that success. And, and now we're going to need need him to uh, to do it again on Saturday against a really really good defense. No doubt. You said something, Shane, after Saturday's win to the reporters. Quote: This game and the next one could change the narrative of this program forever. End of quote. Like for instance, what was the narrative of the program going into this past Saturday's game? And then what could it be coming out of next Saturday's game at Clemson? Yeah, you know, and it, it kind of goes back to what, after the Florida game, and I talked about the next two games, and I told our players that, frankly, you know, you two got you, these next two games, you have a chance to change the image, the perception, the trajectory, everything in this program with, with the opportunity you have in front of us. And, um, you know, they took a great step last week and and you know you don't you, you talk about coaches say well they block out the noise and they don't listen to stuff and it's true to a certain degree but I'm also I've got as a head coach to me I got to be aware we only have our players in here for four hours a day that's all the NCAA allows us so there's 20 hours a day where our players are outside this building and if I don't think they're on social media and listening and hearing stuff on the radio then I'm crazy so I want to be aware of what they're hearing and I know last week when you have a performance like we did against Florida that you know people want to question everything and 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 they have that right with the way that we performed and and I knew that our guys were hearing that and that was why the message was so critical last week that you know here's here's reality and we thought and people I'm sure thought well you know South Carolina hit the the high mark of the season by beating Kentucky and Texas A&M in back-to-back weeks, but now they're coming back down to reality. And and I told our team that the outside, they don't get to write the story about this year's team like we do, and we will determine how this this story, this movie ends. And and uh, you know our guys certainly uh, prepared that way, and they were very excited to play last Saturday night. And and now the challenge will be to to get them right back up and, and get them ready to do it again uh, at an even higher level, hopefully. Brad, I was going to say, I mean, they're at that level, and it's a night that nobody will ever, ever forget, and then you got to come right right back, run it back, and do it again. That's the challenge. Final thought then, I mean, there's a reason that Clemson, Shane, has won 40 straight at home. In fact, there are a lot of reasons why they've won 40 straight at home. As you've seen them this year, and you look at the film right now, what kind of thoughts do you have about Clemson and taking your group into what's sure to be a hostile environment? Yeah, a uh, ton of respect for, for what they do. I mean, it's uh, just another uh, already 10-win season for them with an opportunity to, to get, you know, uh, 11 if they were, you know, depending on what happened Saturday. And then they got the ACC championship game and the opportunity to another, win another championship. And I know they're still in the mix for the playoff and all that. So, they're, uh, you know, they're one of the great programs in college football. And they're doing a great job again this year. Fantastic on defense, and and uh, the quarterback is is getting better each week. They're utilizing him, him in the run game more. I and mean, they've got talent at every single position. They're extremely talented, and we will be going into a hostile environment. South Carolina didn't go up there in 2020 because of COVID, and it was an all SEC schedule. So it's the first time South Carolina's played at Clemson since I guess what 2018. So. Uh, I know it'll be a great environment on Saturday, and we've played in some great environments in the SEC, and, and this will be another one on Saturday afternoon up there. Coming off a great, great win. I can't wait to see this one as well. And like I said, Shane, normally, it's always great to have you on, but normally I would not go looking for you so quickly since it was only a few weeks back, but it was such an enormous win and such an enormous week. I had to do it again. So I appreciate you saying yes. Great to have you on the show. Thanks so much, and good luck this weekend. No, you got it. Honored to be on with you. Appreciate you having me, and and, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and and all your uh, listeners as well. Thanks. Thanks too, Shane. Thanks so much. So when Jim Trotter came on, 
I said, you know, it's hard to imagine, but is there a better story right now than Washington in the NFL? And he said, no, there's not. There's not, which is pretty incredible given the ownership, given the situation, and given all the problems they've had off the field. But it's true. There really is not a better story right now, or they're at least as good a story as anybody in the NFL. And then Ron Rivera finally made it official after the game yesterday, after Taylor Heineke finished another epic weekend with another dub. First, he was reportedly disciplined by the franchise for his epic post-game Bush Light Bender on the team flight after beating Philly last week. Disciplined for what? Being a legend? Anyway, somehow, some way, I think he didn't give a damn. If anything, he did what he always does. He takes any slight, any disrespect, anything at all, and he converts this into fuel. Clean, burning fuel. Then he turns around He beats the Texans and says, discipline this. And then he gets named the starter moving forward. And when asked why that was, as if any explanation was necessary, Riverboat Ron's reasoning is as simple as it needs to be. What was it Taylor has shown you to lead you to this decision? Um, Winning. Um, Winning. Um, winning. My man, Ron, just mastering the ionic one-word responses this season. First, it was his answer to why the franchise is making slower progress than their divisional rivals. Quarterback. Quarterback. Now my man looks like a damn genius. Clearly, it was quarterback. Quarterback. That was holding Washington back. Just as clearly now, it's quarterback. Quarterback. That's the reason that they're um, winning. Um, winning. Yo, coach, why'd you make that change? Um, um, winning. Winning. Hell yes. Hell yes. They're a great story. Philadelphia still controls the NFC East, though they nearly had an embarrassment. I guess it really depends on how you look at things, right? You can make the argument that they showed grit. They came from behind. They found a way to get it done. I could flip that on its head and say they should not have been in that position to begin with, especially after what happened to them the week before. But there they were against Jeff Saturday and the Colts. And they were trailing. They were down double digits. It did not look good. But Nick Sirianni was not going to let them lose. Sirianni would not let them lose because, apparently, he was not going to let Frank Reich down. Sometimes you got to win one for your team. Sometimes you got to win one for your fans. And sometimes you just have to win for Frank Reich. And this week, the Eagles apparently got it done for Reich. For Reich. For Reich. I'm telling you, dude, this this Jungle Tourette's thing is terrible. Terrible. Like, I, I don't know how I got it. There's got to be some inoculation. There's got to be some antidote. There's got to be something. How did I just turn for Reich into for life, for life? Sirianni said as much after the game. We have to win this game for Reich, for Reich, for Reich. I'm emotional because I love Frank Reich. I really do. And he's, a, he's one of the best damn football coaches I've ever been around. So 
yeah. Uh, yeah. I was hoping that, that him and I would be able to coach against each other uh, in this game, but he, he is one of, he, he's my, one of my biggest mentors. I got my dad, I got Larry Karras, and, and I got Frank Reich, and Frank's such a good football coach. And, uh, yeah, you don't want to know what I think uh, of if he should be here or not, but uh, we do, you actually. guys can probably imagine what I really think. No, actually, we would like to know what you think. I mean, you sound like you're on the verge of tears. It's got to be me. Like, I always thought that I cared a lot. I always thought that I cared a lot about this job, about our brand, about my legacy. But I must not because I don't cry at work. It seems like every week in the NFL, somebody's on the verge of tears. And why? Because they care so much. Listen to this guy. He's got nothing to do with that, really. Except that that's a guy that he admires greatly. And this is how choked up he sounds. I'm emotional because I love Frank Reich. I really do. And he's, uh, he's one of the best damn football coaches I've ever been around. So, yeah. Uh, Why is it always right? That, that him and I would be able to Why coach against Frank? each other uh, in this game. But he, he is one of, he, he's my, one of my biggest mentors. I got my dad. I got Larry got Karras. And, and I got Frank Reich. And Frank's such a good football coach. And, uh, yeah, you don't want to know what I think uh, of if he should be here or not. But... Uh, because you guys can probably imagine what I really think. My man, I mean, I'm glad you found a way to grind out that win and share your thoughts. It would have been even more powerful if you put a four-touchdown beatdown on them and ran it up on them. I mean, I mean, that sounds like a Sirianni revenge game. Sounds like my man had a... Re- I mean, I knew he had a connection. I knew there was something there. I had no idea how incredibly deep... That connection must have been with Frank Reich. I mean, damn. Frank must have been the one who taught him how to play rock, paper, scissors ahead of the draft. Rock, paper, scissors. Let's see how competitive you are. But, but, at least they found a way to get it done. At least they found a way to grind out a win. So before you clown Philly and call them a pretender or a paper tiger or fraudulent Remember, we also have the Vikings. We've got to figure out. Unlike the Eagles, the Vikings did not win ugly. In fact, they lost ugly. They lost super ugly. They lost horrifyingly. Minnesota got hammered so badly. Never mind the boat race. They got hammered so badly, CBS yanked them off a national broadcast. One of the favorites, one of the most legitimate Super Bowl contenders and threats, got smoked so thoroughly that CBS yanked the carnage off of network TV. Moreover, they pulled the Cowboys off TV. Something else you don't do because that beatdown was so thorough and so brutal. That beatdown was so brutal that all of a sudden, Jera thinks that his Cowboys are right back on schedule. My schedule. Man, I mean, you want to talk about shocking the system. All of a sudden now, they're back on his Super Bowl schedule. My schedule. Here's how the old man answered the question. Is your team a Super Bowl contender after the game yesterday? A resounding yes. Yes. Unequivocally, yes. Right on time. Right on schedule. Yeah, I don't know about that, Jarrah. I mean, Big Mike, the big fella, is still on your sideline, right? 
He's still dialing things up, right? He's still trying to manage the clock and keep everybody on schedule, right? Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. I mean, yeah, you look great. You look great. But I don't know about the Vikings. I mean, right? I was the one saying, how are they 6-1? and one? How are they 7-1? and one? Then they come back on the Bills, and I have to admit, okay, now I get it. Now I get it. And now this. I mean, damn. Like, there's a lot to like about the Vikings. I really like their coach. I like their quarterback. Everybody likes their weapons. And they proved last week, Minnesota, that they can play with and beat anybody. But then a week later, they proved they can get curb stomped by anybody. I mean, one thing to come out a little bit flat. One thing to have the air come out of your tires a bit. But a beatdown like that? How do you make an argument that somebody is a legitimate Super Bowl contender when they're getting beaten 40-3? to I know it's a long year. I do. It's not that long. Strange. But then again, can we really trust the Cowboys? I I know the NFL is so jacked up this year. But can you really trust the Cowboys? Can you really back a team that gets Jarrah that hyped? I mean, I haven't seen Jarrah that hyped since he left 20% of himself on Bourbon Street. 20% of me has been left on Bourbon Street. (laughs) I haven't seen him that hyped since 20% of him was left at the Little Rock Airport. 20% of We don't have that part. 20% of me has been left on Bourbon Street. <laughs> no, I think it was at the airport, actually. So that means 40% of him has been left. He's not where his feet are. All right, let's put it that way. Everybody who ever comes on this show who coaches or plays is talking about be where your feet are, be where your feet are. How could he? 20% of his feet are on Bourbon Street and 20% are at the airport in Little Rock. 20% of- I haven't heard this guy that excited since the glory days. Glory and, old days. And if you ask Jera, if there are still glory days ahead, you know you're going to get a, quote, resounding, unequivocal yes. Yes. Unequivocal yes. But then again, there are some things to like, right? Wouldn't you be grinning ear to ear like a pumpkin on Halloween like Jared does if you knew you had Tony Pollard? And Pollard is looking like Zeke in his prime. And that you still have Zeke, who's got something left in the tank, a little bit. And you got Michael Parsons looking like a young LT. Yeah, I said it. Maybe not yacked out of his mind, allegedly. But close enough. I mean, what did I see? On the near side, standing up and I saw. To attack. Cousins. Here comes Parsons. Parsons got Uh-oh. behind and the ball is out. The QB. Uh-oh. Totally trashed. NFL. Good night now!